0: The unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God Submerging into these holy entrails of God The book of Luke 24, 44 Then Jesus said to His disciples these, This is what I told you while I st- was still with you Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms So that we, as the participants of the body of Christ, would share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, we continue our study of our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth within our heart that we have received by being instructed in faith. And we see what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. This is also written in Colossians and other places of Scripture. This is not the only place that you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. This is an incredible revelation. And it is the calling of every individual holy person that is born from the imperishable seed of the Word of God. This specifically is the calling of every individual and all of us together. If people will not understand this calling and will not put off their former way of life, the old man, they shall not cast off of themselves this old person. In order to clothe their body into the pearl maker of immortality, then their salvation will be lost. And imagine millions and millions of Christians will inherit not eternal life, but eternal suffering because they did not understand their calling. What is my calling? You know, people often approached me asking, Pastor, maybe you have a revelation. What is my calling? to be a light. Our calling is to be the salt and to be the light. And for this reason, we need to put off our former way of life, cast off of ourselves the old person, renew our mind by the spirit of our mind, and after that, work on the process of clothing ourselves into the new person. This is the process of growing the fruit clothing of our body into the pearl nacre of immortality, when this fruit shall be matured within us, we will just wait with perseverance, wait in patience until God brings it into reality. According to the the testimony of the apostles and prophets, the given promise was uh, concealed and withheld from the previous centuries and generations. The reason for this is because it is a promise that belongs to the door of our hope. According to the words of Apostle Peter, this promise is called to be revealed at the end of the age by the power of God by being instructed in the faith. And so, they understood that this will be at the end of the age. When Daniel asked about a vision that God had shown him, he said, Lord, I don't understand this vision. God did not reveal to him the mystery. He said, "Uh, be calm. This is for the end that for the wise of the end days and they shall understand it. There's a category of the wise and the category of the unwise. The category of the unwise will not understand. The category of the wise will understand. The wise are those that are continuously having in themselves the golden table of showbreads. And upon this table there are these breads presented and these tab- these breads that are presented is the word that we don't understand but we accept so that it can be within our heart before God as a ho- great holiness to God as His food I shall remind us of this place of scripture when Moses finished Deuteronomy he finished it with these words what is revealed belongs to to us and our children, but what is concealed is to the Lord God. And so, in the law that he himself presented, there were things that were revealed and concealed, some things concealed even from Moses. And so, when a priest would go during the Sabbath into the temple, the concealed that was laying upon his table of showbreads that was in his heart, that he kept in his heart, it suddenly became uh, clear or understandable. And so, then they would have to put new, fresh breads or cakes. And so when a person is rebellious, a person is frustrated, irritated regarding the word uh, regarding the word that they hear. And you hear such things as do you hear what he's saying? Do you actually believe this? They catch on to a phrase and then Uh, criticize it. They accept something, accept something, and then they stumble on something. What does this say? This says that they have not built their body into the temple of God. They don't have this table of showbreads. This is a part of that temple. And so, every time when they don't understand something, they will stumble upon it. But this is not the unwise. The unwise don't stumble. They it these for the unwise, they just pass them by. They accept what they understand and fulfill what they understand. But what they don't understand, they don't resist, but they also don't keep it in their heart. They don't have oil in their vessel, they haven't it in their lamp, but they but then the night comes, when it's to the end of that night time. It's only for 12 hours that the oil is sufficient in the lamp. And so, late at night, early morning, the priests would come in to the temple and add oil from the vessel into the lamp so that the lamp would continue to burn. They would trim it, as you know, they would trim it with scissors this is a symbol of our flesh that even here receiving the revelations of the Holy Spirit is always trying to still add its own and so they cleansed it this is a symbol of the cleansing of this uh, additional uh, the tip of that wick when we have our personal opinion or I think I understood it like this and then another person says I think I understood it like this but there needs to be only one understanding of it and so the priest then trims so that there be only one and the lamp can burn brightly. This is all symbolic. And so Only that category of saints, this uh, truth will reveal, that will be revealed, that will enter the category of the good wife, who possessed the status of the narrow gate who will receive the power for the right to inherit the adoption of their body by the redemption of Christ for the price that they have paid to be a student of Christ. To fulfill this given commandment, as we've talked about, our primary, our first most purpose, we see these destiny affecting commandments and fundamental acts that we are to fulfill put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is specifically our decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether we transform ourselves into the vessels of mercy or vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will the achieving of our salvation stand or happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee or an investment, or will we lose it forever, which will then result in our names being forever blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one time. In a particular format, we already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created according to God in Christ Jesus, in righteousness and holy truth. And so, grow this Methuselah within yourself. It's not enough to just bear him, you need to grow him also to grow him so that he be in the fullness of growth in Christ. Relevant to this, we stop to study the mystery that is contained in the format of an allegory in the 18th Psalm of David, where the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom and authority that he alone has, reveals the demands in this magnificent allegory according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God, El Elyon, or God Most High always when God reveals something, He always has His own language. You'll know if if it's God's language or the language of man, God speaks in allegories, proverbs, symbols. I will open my mouth in parables and the mysteries of old. Why do you speak in parables, they asked Jesus, because there's wisdom. You are given to know these, they are not. And so oftentimes they tell me, Why are you always sim- showing symbols and symbols? Just speak the word. I do speak the word, but you speak the word of man. It's not possible to present the word out of parables, out of proverbs, out of examples and symbols. The essence of this condition or this allegory consists in this, that in the circumstances of our hardship, when we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our hearts, saying who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, who we are to God in Christ Jesus, and what we need to do to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. That means when it becomes tight, when it seems that we are in hell and there's no way out only those that begin to cast off their old person will experience that fire of hell people who are not casting off their old person they I often say are in the oasis they experience bliss they don't God is so good everything's wonderful why because the old person is actually helping them and it's supported by the program of the fallen cherubim it is him who helps them because they don't fulfill their calling they are not striving for the goals that God has placed they always want to do something for God but God is in sorrow he wants a relationship with them they always are uh, going in circles and going in circles but he wants them to come and communicate with him Martha says you are losing a lot and I want to bring Mary in to this too tell her why she's not helping me she just sat down and is listening to you and she, he said she found the greatest part she found the greatest part she found the truth to listen by listening to the word of god god begins to get to know us and we begin to know god the given allegory as we know is one of the most powerful and all-capturing examples, demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David and God Most High and their violent conflict with the carnal mind in the form of King Saul and governing sin in the form of our old person with his deeds who supports our carnal mind.
1: And
0: so he than making our, co- our body uh, corrupt. When God created the mortal body, He created from the earth, it was not corrupt. The mortal body was eternal and was created for eternity. It just needed to be renewed. When Adam would have become spiritual, he needed to leave his life of the flesh as it were, as in a carnal form, be born again, born from the Spirit, born to the throne, and his body would have been renewed and become heavenly. But instead of this, Adam in the flesh chose the side of devil, being deceived. Satan came from outside. If he would have deceived and entered into the heart of Adam and deceived him from there, then it would not have been possible to save Adam sin came from outside and deceived him. And so these, again, three kings within one body, this is too many kings in one body. When there are two kings, there's already going to be a battle and it's a great battle when there are two kings. One pastor pastor told me, you know, it can't be that there are two kings people in the church upon the throne. People are always looking at your sermons and always say that pastor doesn't say it this way. In the beginning, he accepted the truth. I told him, you need to behave in a way and talk in a way. Uh, you You need to preach in a way that is accordingly, that is according to the truth. But you, you say one thing, do something different. You fantasize. And
1: as Napoleon had
0: said, it's better one bad one, one bad uh, war captain than two good ones. All understood that one head needs to be in place, one head, and not a, an entire council of heads. And so when there are full councils of heads that the pastor has to be obedient to, then this is a multi-headed, creature that is not similar to Christ. The council as the Sanhedrin needed to accept the high priest. The high priest was the authority. Not a single member of the Sanhedrin spoke anything against him. They decided on smaller things, but the most important, the most serious things, the high priest decided on. And he can always uh, look at what they're doing and make a decision or a change if needed. And without any kind of pity or some kind of guilt, absolutely not. In Israel, there was an absolute theocracy in the service. And the high priest was head, and all the priests obeyed him. And in every church, there should be one pastor. And... All the people, his helpers, need to be obedient to him, not be rebellious, not trying to tend him. Rebellion is trying to tend your pastor, teach him. This is a curse, and this is a plague that will not allow many into heaven, unfortunately. These three kings will war within the body for the for the purpose. King David is our sacred person he wars so that these other two kings to overcome them so that he can erect within our mortal body the stronghold of of eternal life and clothe our mortal body into the imperishable pearl of the fruit of righteousness to remove corruption and so this pearl of immortality pearl nacre even the mortal body for him is hurtful, it's painful to him, even a body without sin, a sinless body, to clothe it into its pearl nacre, it is still suffering, if a pebble ends up in this mollusk, it suffers and it coats this pebble into this pearl nacre and it is a painful process. At the time of rapture, the mortal body, what is inside, will be transformed into what is heavenly. There are the earthly bodies and then the heavenly bodies. In its character, the prayer psalm of David, as we talked about, contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of legitimate prayer that belongs to us as kings priests and prophets. I shall remind us that the virtue of a king consists in our mind being renewed by the spirit of our mind, which gives us the power to the right to control the emotional aspect that is in our body and put them under the bridle as a horse of battle. The virtue of a priest gives us the power to the right to approach God as a warrior in prayer so that we can perform legitimate intercession for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. The virtue of a prophet gives our new person the right to enter into the the holy of holies the devir this is so that we can hear the voice of god at the mercy seat that is the lid of the golden ark within our heart and therefore give god the proper foundation to hear the voice of our intercessions so he can respond to us <clears throat> and so the first part identified the state of the heart of david as a warrior in prayer which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer belonging to kings priests and prophets The kind of status of heart you have, the warrior of prayer will have, is how your prayer will be. The status or state is the offering, the goal. This is the calling. When there's a... The the calling is the right calling. That means we have an altar, we have a goal. And for the sake of this calling, a person gives himself as an offering wholly acceptable for his good service. The second part opens up the, the consistency of the legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies. Third part illustrates the prayer battle itself in an epic way, which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind. In the previous services, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer that is made by a warrior in prayer utilizing the eight names of God Most High. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy, of praise and I have been saved from my enemies Psalm 18one through 4 the Lord my strength the Lord my rock the Lord my fortress the Lord my deliverer the Lord my rock in whom I take refuge the Lord my shield the Lord the horn of my salvation the Lord my stronghold In a specific format, as much as God has allowed in the measure of our faith, we have already studied our inherited lot in Christ Jesus, studying the power of four of the names of God my strength, my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, and have stopped to study our inherited lot in Christ Jesus, studying the name of God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, also as Rock of Israel. The name Rock of Israel, identifying the nature of the Most High and the character of His Word, belongs to the lot of warriors and prayer in Hebrew this name contains the following unearthly virtues sharp end or edge of a cliff where typically the uh, eagles so, this is where they are this is where they soar and they gather there because there is deadness there and they are attracted to that f- smell the angels of God upon these cliffs these are God's promises. How will they accompany the saints to greet the Lord? The Lord that if they have that smell of the deadness of the Lord Jesus in themselves, if it is there, then this will be a, a great fragrance for this. This will be a great smell, great, great aroma for eagle, for the eagles. For those that are carnal, of course, this will be a terrible uh, odor or smell. Stone, a stone defense, blood, the shadow of a cliff, victorious, elephant tusk, elephant ivory, eternal governing, the promise of imperishable food, the comfort of peace. This is what the name of God, Rock of Israel means. We will remember that the existing nature of prayer where David confesses his lot, contained in the eight names of God Most High, means that this prayer is made within the boundaries of a covenant made with God. In the eighth day, he is to be circumcised, any male child, and it will be an eternal covenant upon their bodies. Jesus was also circumcised as the Son of Man in the eighth day, and in the eighth day, he received his name. In this way, symbolically, the number eight talks about the covenant. And here David presented eight names where... There are 50, all 50 names of God are in these eight names. And secondly, the given prayer is a strategic teaching which is called to be our calling and royal garments. So it can clothe us into the virtue of warriors in prayer, into the virtue of kings, priests and prophets who are anointed by the Holy Spirit to bring about governance over their mortal body and also a priesthood in their mortal body, and to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in their body, in their mortal body. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God with man to clothe our mortal body into the pearl nacre of immortality, it becomes vital for us to identify within each aspect of our essence or our collaboration with God, the role of God and the role of man, As a common tragedy, the majority of Christian people due to their ignorance, which is a result of their stiff neck, are inherently, or their their pride, stiff neck or their pride, they are arrogant with, uh, they, they are prideful by their intellect, they think that they understand the truth, but the Word of God is mystery and you can only understand it by the power of the Holy Spirit, by listening to the sermons that God has entrusted to his own. Apostle Peter said it directly, you cannot discern anything for yourself, for holy people of God had spoken them, being inspired by the Spirit. And so when the unclean say that, oh, this is Rhema, everything is already revealed here. This is Rhema in the format of Logos. Rhema is the Word of God, Logos is the thought of God but God has offered his thoughts in his word but again he offered it in the form of Logos, it's still concealed you can't just directly understand it, we are all called to read it, study it and when we study and read it and coming to the service then the Holy Spirit will give us the ability to understand the preached word Because the faith of God does not come from what we read, but what we hear. Faith is from hearing the word of God, the information that comes from hearing the preached word. And so to differentiate our role from God's role, we came to the necessity to study four classical questions. What characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel? second what purpose in relation to achieving our salvation in the foundation of which lies the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ is our inherited lot called to accomplish in the name of God rock of Israel third what price do we need to pay to provide God proper foundation to be our rock of Israel to achieve the salvation of our soul given to us in the seat of the kingdom of heaven in the format of a guarantee and fourth by what results do we ex- determine that God truly is our rock of Israel and as it relates to the achieving of our call and consistent in the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. Therefore, only having grown the tree of life within the Eden of our heart as the fruit of a restrained tongue, a person becomes a partaker of the good wife due to which the grace of God begins to rule in his heart. Until this time, there is no grace. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.21 If a person is attracted by various winds of doctrine, it says that infants that are stumbling and they're attracted by various winds of doctrine. What is this? Righteousness. And if it's not, then that means that there's no grace. Grace is in the heart through righteousness and therefore in the heart of such a person who is born from God but who has not been grown into full measure of growth in Christ where the grace of God has not began to reign through righteousness and he needs to die for this law which reveals sin and gives power to this old person, and a person instead of uh, overcoming him, he tries to uh, satisfy him by doing good works and other things. And then they say before God, "You, uh, I did all these things, the, these things for you." As they said, when people had come. And when we had come here from, from uh, the Soviet Union, those that have been prisoners for, for faith or other reasons, if you think just because you were a prisoner that you're going to be saved, you are going to be saved because of the gift of God's grace, because of the redemption of Christ. The fact that you suffered, uh, you'll receive a different reward, but you lose salvation and then the reward also because you decided that you will receive salvation because you were a prisoner we shall remember that only that person that thirsts to hear the word of God invests the time to this word, lives by this word, abides in this word, and the word of God abides in him will be able to continue to stand in battle against the ancient serpent and escape deceptive nets of the devil. which which are in his mind, in order to inherit salvation of his body by the redemption of Christ. In a specific format, we already studied the essence of the first two questions, in the previous services, and we will turn our attention to question three. This is the condition that gives the Holy Spirit the right foundation to lead us into the inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. The essence of the third question, what price do we need to pay so that we can provide God a proper foundation to be our Rock of Israel? Considering that in the previous services, we already studied three of the components included in the price, giving God the right foundation to be our Rock, Therefore, today we will immediately begin with the fourth component. The fourth component of the price that gives God the proper foundation to be our rock as our refuge consists in our decision to listen to God and walk in His ways. This is our choice and our decision to listen to God that is, the words of his delegated ones, and walk in his ways that we hear. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat, and with the honey from the rock I would have satisfied them. Psalm eighty-one, thirteen through 16. You see what prophecy Prophet David spoke being a king of Israel, being a high priest of Israel and also a prophet of Israel. We need to immediately note that being satisfied with honey from the rock as an element of our reward in the name of God, Rock of Israel, it gains its significance and its legitimacy exclusively with the other elements that are listed in the given place of Scripture that are deluded one and the other come one from the other and confirm the truthful nature of one the other by itself the reward of God consisting in his oath promise in the given situation the inherited lot contained in the name of God rock of Israel And so anything that's talking about rock in the form of a a cliff, these are God's promises. It's called to motivate us and prompt our thirst so that we can use all of our available strength and ability to fulfill the given commandments of God. In the given words of God addressed to His nation for the fulfillment of His will, consisting in two linked to one the other commands, we see God's reward that is made up of six elements. God has promised to soon subdue our enemies. God would turn His hand against our adversaries. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission. Our fate would endure forever. For, eternally, eternally forever. God promised to feed us also with the finest of wheat. God has taken responsibility to satisfy us with honey from the rock. Throughout the span of of Scripture, fulfilling the will of God, that is, His commandments and statutes, is always followed or accompanied by a good reward of God, which the Scripture called pure, imperishable, holy, and unsearchable inheritance of Christ, that is kept for us in heaven, in the temple, and in our sacred and humble heart, that trembles before the preached word of God. Studying the commandments of God, the fulfillment of which we are, is called to open to us generous access into the lot that is the pure, imperishable, and unsearchable inheritance of Christ that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, the commandments are presented to us in two requirements, to listen to God and to walk in God's ways. We will turn to study the first component of our reward in the name of God, Rock of Israel, where God, upon the condition that we fulfill His commandments, these two requirements we listed, has taken the obligation upon Himself to soon subdue our
1: enemies we
0: need to ask a question what nature of enemies is it referring to and in what way is God going to subdue our enemies the enemies of Israel were Gentiles that lived among them upon the territory of the promised land that from the beginning was called the land of Canaan in honor of their patriarch uh, Canaan also Philistines they were called Philistines And when people say Palestine, uh, or they say the Canaanite land, and so it was Palestine, it was the Canaanite land, but it became the Israelite land. There is still a Palestine today that uh, resists Israel and threatens them because it is called the land of Canaan. Because again, in honor of their patriarch Canaan, from which they came, only afterwards when Israel entered the land of their inheritance that was promised by God to the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Canaanite land began to be called the land of Israel. What is Israel? This is a warrior in prayer. It began to be called a house of prayer for all nations the land of Israel. <clears throat> the enemies of Israel were also the surrounding nations that directly bordered the land of Israel. In Hebrew, the word Gentile means, as in their language, goyim, non-Jewish person. It was kind of an a unpleasant way of calling. Uh, the Egyptians circumcised the Philistines did not circumcise, and so that's why they called them goyem. This me- word also means Gentile, means uncircumcised, not having a covenant with God, idol worshippers, unclean, and the enemies of the truth. And the churches are filled with these kind today, unfortunately. They call themselves weeds that live to- that grow together with the wheat, as the Gentiles lived with the Israelites, considering the land that the land of Israel symbolically represents, the body of a saved person, the Gentile nations living upon the territory of the land of Israel symbolically are the unclean thoughts and corrupt desires that live within our body that is the old person who carries the program of the fallen cherubim the enemies that live directly next to or bordering the land of Israel symbolize the unclean and lawless men that are in the midst of the category of people that fear God just as the weed plants this is the category of the called until the time of the harvest that are upon one field with the wheat. Now that we have defined who our enemies are, it is necessary to identify the instruments and means by which God will subdue our enemies. This is upon the condition that we will perform His commandments, these two commandments that He has required. God will subdue them by the confession of our faith the confession of our mouth he won't do it independently of us he is our helper the main role is what we need to carry and when we carry that role then he begins to help the role is to present your body as a living sacrifice wholly acceptable for our good service when we begin to do this then God begins to help us when Jesus prayed in the mount then he said if it be your will may this cup be taken from me but then he looked at the unchanging word of his father, but he said, not my will be, but your will be done. And being, uh, he was very diligent in prayer, and he used the last of his energy. There was no uh, Thoughts or consideration of feeling at that point the hell was in his feelings God abandoned him but he was diligent in prayer he was basing everything on information and then the angel of God came and supported him and so to subdue our enemies means to maintain a complete and utter victory over them turn them into slaves and impose a tribute or tax on them which upon practice means to bind and eliminate power from the old person that is within our body in his corrupt desire and lead your feelings with a bridle upon the path of God as your disciplined horse because previously our feelings depended upon the old person, our lusts, our ambitions, the instruments that God will use to subdue our enemies within our body as well as outside of our body are the members of our body that have been given as slaves of righteousness for holy works. The means that God will use to subdue our enemies within our body as well as outside of our body will be our mouth that confesses the faith of God that abides within our heart that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9, 10. The second element of our reward in the name of God, Rock of Israel, where God, upon the condition that we fulfill His command amidst the two requirements, has taken the obligation upon Himself to turn His hand against our adversaries. Exodus 15-19, For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. You see how God has turned His hand against those who are adversaries. When they entered into the same waters that we ourselves are in, pursuing us, the sons of Israel represent the sacred person. At the same time, the Egyptians that pursue us is a symbol of our soul, which is Earthly wisdom. When the sons of Israel sanctified themselves and their houses and completed the Passover, Passover of the Lord, God received the proper foundation to turn his hand against the Egyptians that pursued them and drowned them in the deep waters. The next example how God will turn his hand against our adversaries if we fulfill his will, we will study the reproach that was brought upon David by the husband of Abigail, Nabal. 1 Samuel 25, 38-42 Then it happened after about ten days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord had returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. She was the wife of Nabal, and now he takes her as his own wife. This is our soul. It was the wife of Nabal, the hard person, the old person. But when God strikes him, then he takes her as his wife. The soul begins to then become submissive to the spirit. When the servant of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her, saying, David sent to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth, and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So Ab- Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey, attended. By five of her maidens, and she fo- followed the messengers of David. The five uh, symbol of five senses, the emotional aspect here. They served her. She was looking at David constantly and waited for the deliverance from Nabal. She wanted to serve David. She wanted to. When they told her that the servants of David came and asked that Na- Nabal bless him with something, and he Nabal refused, and they told her, "Be careful, because David is coming, is rise, is going to rise against all of us and you as well." She immediately. Uh, she packed her donkey. She she put a lots of different kinds of food on there and went to greet David. And when he was coming, already David was coming with his men to attack. She greeted them, and she found favor in his sight. It is written, and he uh, changed his mind, and he gave God the ability to uh, judge. And so, so Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David is a symbol of the sacred person that is our born from God's spirit. Abigail is a symbol of our soul that is under Nabal's control, who is reigning who is reigning sin that lives within our mortal body, he is the old person. David, wanting to get food from his soul, because he protected her flocks, these are her good thoughts, was rejected by the old person, which was the husband of his soul. And then David vowed that he would destroy all that is living with Nabal, all males of all who belong to him by morning light. Hearing about this, Abigail quickly loaded her donkey with the necessary for David food and went on her way to David. David considered the face of Abigail and canceled his mission, allowing God the, the ability to avenge him and punish Nabal. After 10 days, symbolizing the law of Moses, God struck Nabal and he died. God will strike the old person with the sword that he himself trusts in. He will strike him by the law because he trusts upon the law. Law gives him power. In this way, Abigail, in the form of our soul, died for the law, by the law, so she can live in the new form for the one that died for her and resurrected. and In this way, provided God with the proper grounds to turn his hand against our adversaries. The next example of how God will turn his hand against our adversaries if we will fulfill his will, we will study the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? 1 Corinthians 1, 18-20, he was talking about the disputers of this age and those that are wise, those that are... He was talking about the religious midst. The world does not know. The world has nothing against the cross. The world would easily accept the teaching about the cross. If you talk to them, they don't know what the cross is. And if you begin talking to them about the cross, a person doesn't know anything. He would accept this. He can't resist it because he has nothing else but one that is. Uh, one that is a scribe, they have their own understanding of the cross, and when you give them the un- the correct understanding and in- interpretation, they don't want to receive it because the truth about the cross delivers us from who, from the producer of the of the sin. The blood of Christ cleanses us from sin. The truth about the cross eliminates the producer, manufacturer of sin. Those that are scribes don't understand that they understand the cross of Christ does. Uh, a suffering that we overcome, not understanding that the sufferings were for Christ in that moment. Your cross is a very different thing. Don't confuse your cross with the cross of Christ. In the given place of Scripture, collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ is fulfilling the studied by His commandments, the two given by God requirements to listen to God, and to walk in God's ways. The wise, the scribe, and the disputer of this age are the category of the fleshly men filling the churches of saints and persecuting the chosen by God remnant because they collaborate their cross with the cross of Christ for the reason that the persecutors are not able to receive that which comes from the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2.14-16, these words Apostle Paul said to those that spoke in tongues, that practiced spiritual gifts, and they did not have an insufficiency in any gift. Here's what he said to them. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? 1 Corinthians 2, 14-16. And further, he says, I couldn't speak to you, brothers, as spiritual men, but as those that are carnal. We can, as much as we want, call ourselves those that fear God and love God, but if we resist the truth consisting of collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, we are haters of the truth and haters of those saints that abide in in this truth, I want to note once again that the unique in its nature power of the blood of Christ that is offered independently of the cross of Christ is not legitimate and consequently is not able to be activated by us, cannot cleanse us from sin, because specifically the truth about the cross of Christ is the exclusive opportunity, that key, that opens the door that leads to the inheritance contained in the imperishable treasure of the blood of Christ. Colossians 1:19-20. For it it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. By the blood of His cross. You can't separate the blood from the cross. Specifically, the cross leads us into the inheritance that is in the blood of Christ. We can't inherit the cleansing of our sins if we don't open up with the key this treasury and this is, the cross is that key and the blood of Christ it carries not just cleansing of our sins if it justifies us cleanses it does what? It brings us life and so Jesus said who will not drink the blood of the son of man will not have life in himself he meant the truth about the blood of Christ that blots out sin in such a way that It's not in God's remembrance. It is in ours. Satan uses this memory and reminds you, saying, remember what you did. Do you remember what you did or who you were? And when he says, do you remember who you were? He, in this, uh, at this time, tells God, do you remember who he was? That you're talking to this person this way. He was previously a criminal. And God opens up the book and says, look, it's washed by the blood of the Lamb. In my book, there's nothing there. He's never committed this sin. When God blots out sins, He forgives it in such a way that you never ever did it. Remember this, and when a memory comes of a prior sin that was done, this was a. This is a reason to say, blessed is the Lord who had redeemed him, me by the blood of His Son and who has made me C- uh, clean and justified before Him, say out loud when you when you have these moments, and when the thought comes, it doesn't just come. Uh, it never just comes. The devil brings it. And so uh, the devil will say, every time I bring him this idea or this memory, he's going to bless God. Every time I do this, maybe I don't need to do this. But as soon as you start thinking about all those things that you had done, the lust, the desire, the 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 shame, it all comes up. And so
1: you,
0: if you don't thank God with thanksgiving, with praise that He's delivered you, then it's unfortunate every time you need to began praising God in the moment. We will not forget that the goal of the professional tempter consists in separating the truth about the blood of Christ from the truth about the cross of Christ, to present to man only that part of the truth that would appeal to the desire of a man and for which a man would not need to pay any price. Therefore, the truth about the blood of Christ, apart from the cross of Christ, is so attractive, intriguing, and tempting. This is because it is incomplete. In this case, in this incomplete truth, the role of man is bringing about the truth uh, in bringing about the blood of Christ is just a role as a dependent. This person is a dependent who uh, is satisfying all the uprising in him desires. Such an interpretation simply does not have place for fulfilling the desires and interests of God. This is because God in His truth are are some... God and His truth are subjected to extreme or expansive exploitation exclusively to benefit the interests of a man. At the same time, the shedding of the blood of Christ was first called to satisfy the demands and desires of God, and not man as the blood of Christ was brought in before the face of God, and only afterwards man collaborated with God in the subject of the cross of Christ. The blood of Christ received the legitimate basis to satisfy the need of man. We are sufficiently aware that collaborating the go- with God entails the strict distribution of roles for the one and the other side. Speaking of which, God always takes the role of the helper in this case. This means that he will never make a choice for us or not decide for us. And only when we make the right choice and according to our choice decisions, he immediately sends to us his help in the form of a baked loaf and vessel of water. Considering such an order, we need to study what Scripture says about our abilities when we are carrying our cross and also the abilities of God that are contained in the truth of the cross of Christ. What similarities and what differences are there between these two abilities? We've heard about this before, but I think it is necessary to renew all of this in our mind, this collaboration of the cross of Christ with our cross. When He had called the people to Himself— with his disciples also he said to them whoever desires to come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me he didn't say take my cross he said take up his cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it mark 8 35 Pay attention, in this place of Scripture, we are clearly looking at our role and our abilities when carrying our cross, which allows us to follow Jesus or to collaborate with the truth of the cross of Christ. Because Jesus goes ahead with His cross, and we need to follow Him with our own cross. In other words, carrying our cross opens access to the surprising, unique in power and glorious inheritance contained in the truth of the cross of Christ here's what the scripture says about this inheritance and about this unique and crushing power of the cross for Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel not with the wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.17.18 According to this place of Scripture, simply following Christ without carrying your cross or without collaborating your cross with the cross of Christ is a futile waste of time and life. And if the cross of Christ is the calling of Christ, demonstrated in His obligations, as carrying His cross, He demonstrated the perfect will of His Father, consisting in the good and great goal of our redemption from sin and death, for the sake of which the Father sent Him to die upon the cross. At the same time, our cross is our calling demonstrated in our obligations or in our responsibilities. To fulfill these obligations and collaborate your cross with the cross of Christ, it is necessary to fulfill one condition, deny yourself or deny everything. In other words, the identification of our cross is found in the commandments and instructions of God that apply exclusively to us, not to Jesus, because it is not Jesus who needs to fulfill these commandments, but us. Fulfilling or obeying these commandments on our end is carrying our cross. If, for Christ, His cross was the fulfillment of God's commands that God had given Him, the fulfillment of God's commandments that we need to fulfill, that is given to us, is the carrying of our cross. We ask the question, what is the truth of the cross of Christ? What power, what inheritance, what glory, and what wisdom is contained in this beautiful and rejected truth, and how, in its essence, does the cross of Christ differ from our cross? In literal terms, the cross is a tool used for the death penalty, or the greatest form of punishment that was practiced in the ancient world and in part with the Israelites that later was adopted and legalized by Roman authority for slaves and all those who were not the citizens of Rome. God allowed the Israelites to hang upon the cross certain people so that they hang there until evening, cursed as anyone who hangs upon the tree, to show in the future the truth about the cross. The Roman uh, authority had legalized this, had adopted this, but this was again not for the Roman citizens. It was for slaves and others who were not. The citizens of Rome were not able to be crucified. The death penalty upon the cross was only for others. In Scripture, the cross, in addition to its direct meaning as a tool used for the death penalty, possesses a deep symbolic meaning. The, de- the definitive meaning of the cross when it comes to man and when it comes to Christ are significantly different. And if the blood of the cross of Christ was called to destroy the committed by a sin, then the cross of Christ was called to eliminate the producer of the sin or the manufacturer of the sin, which is our old nature that we inherited from the conduct or sinful life of our fathers collaborating with the truth about the blood of Christ blots out the committed by a sin at the same time collaborating with the truth of the cross of Christ eliminates the manufacture of sin within our body he removes from the throne, he binds them The truth of the cross of Christ eliminates the manufacture of sin only in this situation when we put forth our effort to collaborate our cross with the cross of Christ. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, deny himself his first. If you don't deny yourself, you can't take up your cross, you can't fulfill the commandments, because the commandment is against the satisfaction of the flesh. You need to deny yourself, then take up your cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? If he doesn't know the truth about the cross of Christ and he goes to evangelize and does good work and he gives all his possessions, Jesus says, what good is it to you? What wh- how will this benefit you? For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16:24 through 26 In this way, carrying our cross that is fulfilling our calling is directly linked to a specific nature of suffering which forms a person into the image of God. However, not every nature of suffering forms our character into the image of the character of Christ. The result of a sin that man has committed is also suffering and following that death. But this nature of suffering in no way can form a person into the image of the character of Christ. It's the opposite transforms this person into the image of sin. The phrase follow me means imitate me in how I fulfilled the will of my Father, demonstrated in His commandments for me. This consists in me losing my life so that I can re-obtain it once more. You do the same, fulfill the commandments that are given to you, consisting in losing your life in my death, so you can re-obtain it again in my resurrection. Jesus came into this world to do the will of the Father fulfilling this will was His necessary and beloved food. Therefore, all His strength and all of His abilities were directed towards seeking and fulfilling the will of His Father. But He said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought Him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent Me, and to finish His work. John 4, 32-34 His food was to die upon the cross in order to redeem his own. Not everyone in general, but His own. He will come to save His own from their sins. The will of the Heavenly Father for His Son consisted in Him losing His life upon the cross so that He can exchange destinies with us, take our sin upon Himself and the vengeance for sin, and we upon this very same cross give our righteousness for an everlasting inheritance. However, for this purpose, it is necessary for us to collaborate the carrying of our cross with the cross of Christ. The truth of the cross of Christ we see concealed the order of God or His holy theocracy. Therefore, collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, I shall remind us of 12 characteristics of our cross and 12 characteristics of the cross of Christ. The number 12 in Scripture identifies the amazing order of God and the order of His kingdom in the temple of our body. First, the cross of Christ is the greatest commandment of the Father that was given to His Son, demonstrating the perfect will of His Father. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father, John 10, 17, 18. The difference between our cross, which is our calling, and the cross of Christ as His calling, consists in the fact that Christ, to purchase us from the kingdom of sin and death, He indeed he voluntarily gave his life for us so that he can re-obtain it again. At the same time, we, to collaborate our cross with the cross of Christ, are called to voluntarily reject or lose our sinful life that we have inherited from the conduct of the life of our fathers so that we can inherit the life of Christ that was given for us upon his cross. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples, also he said to them, whoever desires desires to come after me and let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, and the Gospels will save it. Mar- Mark 8, 35 In the given situation, rejecting your sinful life is the condition for carrying your cross, collaborating with the cross of Christ. Second, the cross of Christ was his voluntary choice and his conscious decision to drink the cup fully that was planned for him by the Father. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, "Oh my God, Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Matthew 26:42 In the given situation the difference between our cross with the cross of Christ consists in the fact that Christ upon His cross consciously and voluntarily separated from His Father. At the same time, we, in the plan for us cup, collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, do the opposite, re-obtain or regain the lost because of our sin in Eden relationship with the Father. He lost this relationship in carrying His cross. We, in carrying our cross, re-obtain, we obtain this uh, regained this relationship, fulfilling his commandment, commandments we obtain, reobtain this relationship. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, "Drink for, for from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins." Matthew 26, 27, 28. seven twenty eight. Third, the cross of Christ is the experienced by Christ shame, mockery, humiliation, pain, suffering, rejection, torture, and death the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12, one two. To run with endurance the race that is set before us means when carrying your cross, you look upon Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, which upon practice means collaborate your cross with the cross of Christ. The condition for collaborating is, again, the de- decisive action to lay aside every weight or any dependence and sin that that easily ensnares us that is every weight that is the old person in the given situation the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ consists in the fact that Christ upon his cross experienced shame mockery humiliation pain suffering rejection torture and death at the same time we collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ experienced the opposite we open for us the opportunity to obtain joy in the Lord instead of the humiliation that Christ endured Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those from whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our God. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10 Here it's talking about the Passover, the death of Jesus Christ. For us, the Passover is a joy. For him, it was suffering and shame. But for us, it is a joy. It says, drink the sweet and send portions forth the cross of Christ is his voluntary suffering resulting in the loss of his life for our sins the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth for he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people he was stricken Isaiah 53 6 through 8 in the given situation the difference between the cross and the Uh, between our cross and the cross of Christ consists in the fact that Christ upon His cross suffered for our sins. At the same time, we collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ suffer for the truth. There's a difference. He suffers for our sins. We, carrying our cross, suffer for the truth. When we fulfill God's commandments, then people of the flesh, carnal men, will uh, resist you, will dislike you because they don't understand the truth as you do, and fulfilling it, they, they, they don't understand it either. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you our reproach for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. First Peter 4.13-16 Fifth, The cross of Christ was the ability of Christ to demonstrate obedience and humility to the perfect will of his Father but made himself of no reputation taken the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross Philippians 2:7-8. in the given component the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ consists in that Christ demonstrated obedience and humility to the will of our Father upon his cross he became completely poor and took on the form of a slave and the former image of man when he was born from Mary he took the body of a man the car he became a mortal person a mortal man at the same time we collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ that is our obedience and humility before the will of God we experience the opposite we lose the form of a sinful slave and obtain the image of God our new person is identical to the nature of God. We obtain the nature of God. That is when our new person is grown into full measure of growth in Christ. Until that time, it can't yet reflect the beauty of God, His image. As a, an infant can't reflect the greatness of his father, his power, his position, and his image or his likeness in any way when he's grown and when he's grown and he learns he will then look more and more like his father and everything that the father has will then become also his sons in the given situation the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ is that Christ upon his cross demonstrated the humility that he had and obedience to his, God's will and we collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ lose this image of a slave as I've said and take on the image of God and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again Second Corinthians 5.15 6 the cross of Christ is his absolute poverty and voluntary loss of all the strength and power that he had For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that through that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich 2nd Corinthians 8 9 at the same time we collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ experience the opposite it opens for us the ability to become rich through his poverty which opens access to the power of the countless and limitless riches of grace for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God 7th the cross of Christ is a, is a tool that God Looked at as an altar that was sanctified and was most holy, which is why it was able to bring us to God. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and give given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Ephesians 5 2, the Holy Spirit is stating that the cross is the altar and so the cross as an altar separated Christ from the world so that he can belong to God as an offering a sweet smelling or pleasant aroma this is very important to understand what the cross is the tool of the cross we look at it uh, in fear but this is that same altar upon which the offering is slaughtered, is killed and it is burned Afterwards, you shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering and all its utensils and consecrate the altar the altar shall be most holy Exodus 40.10 seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it and the altar shall be most holy whatever touches the altar must be holy Exodus
1: 29.37
0: and so when we again touch the altar you then become holy specifically carrying this cross, Christ was sanctified and was most holy that all that encountered the cross would be able to be sanctified and holy in the given situation, the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ consists in the fact that Christ, because of his suffering of the cross, became most holy, which is why he received the ability to lead all that come in contact with or come come to this cross, he can lead them to God, for Christ also suffered once for sin, then just for the the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, 1 Peter 3.18. At the same time, we, in the given situation carrying our cross with the cross of Christ, experience the opposite. We come close to him by the means of, of his cross, due to which we receive the ability to sanctify ourselves. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord, and his soul could not, no longer endure the misery of Israel. Judges 10, 15, 16. While they... Uh, sinned, they suffered for their sins, and in the given situation, as they did not turn to God, God also did not turn to them, but as soon as by the given to them repentance and the sacrifice of the Son of God upon the cross, they sanctified themselves, they received access to the grace of God, which is why their suffering immediately took on a different status, which activated God's mercy toward them. Eighth, the cross of Christ is the true food and true drink, satisfying the hunger and thirst of God. If His offering as a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord is of the flock, whether male or female, He shall offer it without blemish. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Leviticus 3, 6 and 11. You could bring a lot of places of Scripture. I brought one, but there's... A lot of different places. Every offering, every sacrifice is the dying for us Christ. In the given situation, the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ consists in the fact that Christ, by the means of His cross, became food and drink for His Heavenly Father which is why we, which is why he was able to quench the hunger and thirst of his Father. At the same time, we in the given situation experience the opposite. We satisfy our spiritual hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. John 6.53 And so if we will not take part, collaborate our cross with the cross of Christ, we will not have life in ourselves. Ninth, the cross of Christ is the demonstration of the act and greatness of his soul, which brings him satisfaction. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his and be satisfied by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Isaiah 53 11. Therefore, the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ in the given subject consists in the fact that for Christ, his cross was a catalyst, which, a, which opened for him the ability to demonstrate the act of his soul in his unwavering faithfulness and loyalty to his Father. At the same time, we, and he also, in this situation, was able to get to know his Father. Upon the cross, he was given the ability to know the Heavenly Father uh, in in a way that he hadn't been able to before. The cross became the catalyst. At the same time, we, in the given aspect, collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, triumph over our natural essence and over any of her demonstrations due to which such a collaboration becomes for us a catalyst, which opens for us the opportunity to demonstrate the conquer of our rebellious ego, and in this way deprive our old I or myself of any satisfaction. Jesus received satisfaction that he fulfilled the will of the Father, but we deprive the old person of satisfaction in ourselves, and this means depriving... Uh, uh, satisfaction to our feelings. Our feelings won't feel anything uh, that would satisfy it. When we fulfill the perfect will of the Father we need to remember that. Don't wait for the feelings to be satisfied. It's the opposite. The feelings will scream because the feelings... When is it okay or feels okay? Uh, It's like you are in the heat and you escaped into an oasis. And at the time of uh, famine or hunger, your your refrigerator is full of food, when people can't clothe themselves well uh, because they're poor, but you have uh, plenty of clothing, that's when the feelings are happy. But when the will of the Father is being fulfilled, God will deprive us of the satisfaction of the feelings. Absolutely, uh, because... God was, or Jesus, uh, or if you remember as Job, uh, was suffering an illness he had, uh, his body was rotting, it was deformed, and he couldn't even put clothing on it, and this was a previously a prince, a wealthy individual who lost his sons, lost his wealth, his wife left him, his friends abandoned him, but he continued to trust upon God in this terrible condition he was in and he said, I believe that my Redeemer lives and in that last day he shall restore this this body and I with my own eyes, not the eyes of another, will see him. If you understand, in the feelings, what's in the feelings when you're overcoming spirit? specific illnesses amazing things we will overcome before our body It puts on this pearl nacre. This is, we will not give our old person satisfaction and anything that is regarding the flesh. Don't do this consciously, as, as what I mean is don't starve yourself and don't uh, put on uh, not enough clothing to keep yourself colder or whatever. God will have his atmosphere in which uh, things will happen. <laughs> Tenth, the cross of, Cro- of Christ is the act of a soul by which Christ was able to know his Father and demonstrate righteousness that justified us and gave Christ a legitimate right to bear our sins again I read this place he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities Isaiah 53 11 according to this place the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ consists in the fact that for Christ his cross was a means by which he as a person can know the perfect love and wisdom of his father at the same time we in the given subject collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ get to know our previous advantages that are concealed and the evil characteristics of our uncleanness. That gives us the ability to reject these advantages by which we trusted we can justify ourselves before God so that we can receive righteousness by faith in Christ Jesus. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. He was a Jew of all Jews. This is one who is a Jew of all Jews who is writing this. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. As nothing, pretty much. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, from whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Philippians 3:7 through 9, 11. The cross of Christ is the only form or possibility where God destroyed the enmity and reconciled Israel and other nations in Christ Jesus, making them one nation. For he himself is our peace. It's talking about Jesus. He is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity Ephesians 2, 14-16 see what he did upon the cross because the Gentiles were not able to inherit what Israel was inheriting so that they can inherit together with Israel they, God needed to make them one nation and Jesus did this in himself upon the cross he created this In Himself, He made this into one man from these two nations. In the given subject, the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ consists in the fact that Christ, carrying His cross, eliminated the enmity between Israel and the Gentiles and the law of commandments with and the law of commandment with his teaching and created in himself one new person at the same time we in the given subject collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ bring forth or create stumbling blocks amongst the flesh category among the saints make, making up a, that is made up of Jews as well as Gentiles and provoke a resistance and enemy-like relationship in them toward us prompting in them persecution, unacceptance and reproach against us He, upon His cross, He reconciled the two. We carrying our cross will actually provoke this uh, rejection from these people. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. Galatians 5.11
1: but he had
0: preached about the cross and the cross was a stumbling block to them it was a stumbling block there were those that crushed upon it were broken upon it and others built upon it 12. The cross of Christ is a vivid expression and demonstration of the love of Christ for His Church, who rejects a tolerant form of mentality toward all other nations. Christ also loved the Church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present her to Himself a glorious Church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. Ephesians 5:25 through 27 This is what the cross of Christ has done. The difference between our cross and the cross of Christ in the given subject consists in the fact that Christ carrying our, His cross demonstrated His selective love for His church. His holy love, selective love. At the same time, we carrying our cross are called to demonstrate our belonging and our responsive love to God in fruits of righteousness. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we would bear fruit to God. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Romans 7, 4-6. The law only applies to the old person who is liquidated or eliminated exclusively by the truth contained in the power of the cross of Christ. That is the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ. Therefore, to die for the law by the body of Christ means to be crucified with Christ. And when we are crucified with Christ, when you say, I am crucified with Christ, and it is not I who lives now, but Christ who lives in me. You see, when Christ, asked the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, it is not Christ Himself physically who is living in the in our heart. He is in heaven at the right hand of the Father, as we know. But the Holy Spirit that represents Christ, He lives in us upon the condition that we have been crucified with Christ. And when we are crucified with Christ, then Christ is in our heart. And so every time you can examine yourself, if you collaborate with the cross of Christ, you are crucified with Christ. And in this way, now it is not you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. They cried out, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but He did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind. I cast them out like dirt in the streets. You have delivered me from the striving of the people. You have made me the head of the nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. Psalm eighteen forty-one through 43. Carrying our cross with the cross of Christ in this twelfth component, we will trample upon our old person our unclean thoughts, our unclean desires, And we shall trample upon the fear that may be existing before carnal men that take lead positions in many churches. If they don't occupy these positions, then this is a church of God that is called the Good Wife. But there are very few of those, very few of those. And to find them is difficult. The scriptures say many will try to find this narrow gate and not be able to. Only few will find it. And the reason for that, that many will not find it, because they will not look where they need to be looking, not with those instruments. They will use their intellect instead of using their heart and subject their heart to God's order, to deny themselves it's not possible to find the good wife as the narrow gate not having denied yourself because denying yourself is acknowledging what the person of God says the words that he says need to be in authority not our own words and so those people who are deceived by the devil and that periodically and always trying to say something trying to show something there are some people that don't attend our service because they're afraid to become sick with the coronavirus and they also are not wanting to be vaccinated. They're sitting at home and they send all kinds of different sermons and they are asking that they pass on these other sermons to me also that I Not say what I say or do what I do. Behind every virus there is a demon. Who else is behind these viruses? People say, "Well, it's not possible that there be a demon." Who else is it? Who else is it? Who who supports this illness and these curses? It is not God. There's no illness in heaven. Illnesses come because of sin, because from the devil. I've said this before, that it's not just demons. It's also behind any thought that is resisting the delegated of God as well. A demon is also behind every instrument
1: that uh,
0: that is implanted into a woman uh, that is put the implanted into a woman that uh, automatically causes uh, miscarriages to happen These cur- this is also a demon behind this and so when a Christian person takes this uh, tool to not become pregnant she's pretty much putting this into herself with demons but many people don't believe this and they continue. Others, it's the opposite. They receive it, and, uh, we need, And of course, there's also the other side where, or the other uh, uh, problem where people say, I'm going to bear all my children that I can bear, and then you bear them that you can't even discipline and you can't feed them. Then you won't be able to serve God properly because you will completely be uh, occupied with other things. You will not be able to know God. You will not be able to understand or comprehend Him. And especially if you convince yourself this is God's will. God's will is sanctification, and children are a blessing. And you yourself need to decide on these, how many blessings you want. There are mon- a lot of uh, means that uh, can get in the way of, that can prevent pregnancy that are not a sin. It says be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say I give you the command to be fruitful and multiply and if you don't you will die. He didn't say that. He said that this is a blessing. But a blessing is always to be used with care with uh with th- with with thought when you remember that Jesus fed the thousands of people but they didn't eat all of the bread and said he said gather the rest of the bread uh, that wasn't eaten and they and so don't bear children just because you think God requires that or that you uh, and there are a lot of means today that can prevent pregnancy Uh and in a safe and a good way. May the God, may God bless your mind and your heart, so that you understand what the cross of Christ is and what your cross is, and that only by collaborating our cross, your cross, with the cross of Christ, are you able to then have. Are you able to have access to the riches that are in the blood of Christ, the redemption of our body by the. And so, when there's going to be even more serious viruses released into the world, and there will be more serious ones that people will die from, they won't touch us at that point, as specific plagues affected the Jews and also the Egyptians, but the final plagues, when there was darkness upon the earth, in then at this time in the land of Goshen there was complete light and everywhere else it was dark darkness and so when they ate the Passover feast and the the lamb and they put blood upon the doorposts of their houses then the angel of death passed by them uh, passed by these houses did not enter in because the Passover is to Pass over the door, pass over the house, not come in. And so when he saw this house, he did not enter, but all other houses he would enter and destroyed all the firstborn, starting from the. This was also flocks, this was also uh, the firstborn of Pharaoh. These will be the last days. Today, be strong in these illnesses. Wait and expect deliverance. God will deliver us from them and believe that you're already delivered and that is upon our count. this deliverance already is there. And may the Lord bless us. Let us bend our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for the opportunity you've given us today to hear your words about the truth about your cross and the truth about our cross how these two these two phenomenons need to work together in order to reveal the door to the treasury of your blood we thank you for the heard word may it be established in the hearts of your people may it be a greatness of glory for your people. May the works of the devil be destroyed in the lives of your nation by the truth of the cross of Christ. May the old person be bound by the cross of Christ in us. We thank you that, and I trust that we already have, many of us have bound this person in ourselves, that you Count yourself dead to sin, living for God, proclaiming that non-existent stronghold of life in your body as existent. And although your feelings, your emotions, your lusts are shouting and saying different things, various things, you ignore them and you consider yourself dead to sin, living for God, living for you. We thank you for this surprising word that we have concealed into our hearts so that we not sin that lives forever. Everything else will go away, will pass away, but Your Word is eternal. We worship before You, Our Great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.